Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake, episode 31. This is being recorded the day after, the night before. The night was the Liverpool game, Leicester 2, Liverpool 0, and I'm sat alongside Mr Rob Hayes. Vardy! What a goal. I know we'll get onto it in more detail, but come on. I'm still excited now. I'm still just as excited as when it went in. I didn't know that you were going to do that. I mean, I, I am still ex- obviously excited from the game and that it doesn't really show in you know, what I'm wearing or anything like that. Not that you've got a, a retro 80s Walker's Crisp special on. Oh, yeah. It had to be today. It had to it's, be. It's like royal blue, light blue, sort of speckled. I'm thinking about circa 87, 88, 87, something like that. It's the uh, it's the Steve Walsh classic. I, 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 it's I majestic. You've even got your collar open a little bit, getting a bit of your manly chest hair on. <laughs> well, no, I think it's because it doesn't do up, man. <laughs> big fat neck. Think, oh, no, it, do, it does. It does it do does. up. Yeah, it there does. we go. Yeah, there we go. That's better. Thanks for that. That's right. improved my view slightly. <laughs> no, but uh, yes, this is being recorded the day after the night before, as I said. Um... Leicester 2, Liverpool 0. We'll just start straight into the game. Um, the build-up to the game was was fantastic, really. It was, it, was, it was The anticipation was unbelievable. Mainly, well, for two reasons, really. One, for the fact that we know we've got two of the most difficult games you can play in the Premier League coming up. But the second thing is, we were top of the league, three points clear, and... We're playing against a Liverpool team who, as much as they've not been playing well, I know they're in the League Cup final, they've been going through um, a, a change with Klopp and I think he's just going to get rid of basically everyone in the summer and then bring his own players in. But it's still Liverpool. It's still a big, big game. And with the performance against Stoke and the victory and the amount of clean sheets we've been having and getting back into form, it was just, let's, let's just see whether... What we what we hope can happen and what we think might happen is, and the amount of people predicting a Leicester win was just unbelievable against uh, Liverpool. It's something that you don't hear all the time. Uh, let's just see whether it will come true, whether this run can continue. And of course it did. Of course but, it did. Wh- why would I have thought anything else? I know. I thought you know when we lost to Liverpool and um, the one nil. I thought that was when, not me personally, but that was when a lot of people thought that the wheels were going to fall off a bit, didn't they? So. For us to say, look, we are definitely back out of, you can call it a blip, you can call it whatever you want. It wasn't a big blip, it was a little blip. But we are definitely back. 3-0 against Stoke, 2-0 against Liverpool, Vardy 3-2. He's going to go and break his own Premier League record of consecutive games scored in between now and the end of the season. Uh, I mean, stick, stick a tenner on that. I think, you know, I can't remember what I predicted in the last podcast. Normally, you know out there that I'm quite um, downbeat, really. I'm pessimistic when it comes to football. Some Not when it comes to football, when it comes to City. Because I don't like 
betting on my own team. I don't like predicting wins just in case it all goes wrong. I think it's just natural, really. Um, we've both been on podcasts to do with Liverpool. Uh, yeah. You've been on the, what was it the called? The cop table. The I went cop, on it the other day as well. You are on yeah. the cop table again. I was on the Anfield wrap. Um, sorry, the uh, award-winning Anfield wrap. Largest don't start pod- this again. Largest podcast to do with a single football club in the UK and possibly the world. Um, Soon to be overtaken by for Fox's sake. Obviously. And uh, and so I was on there and I predicted 3-2 to Leicester or 3-1. I said it was going to be goals. Um, and they were very, very down on their team. They were surprised of how um, how good I thought Liverpool were. And I said, no, I don't think you're very good at all. But I just, I just can't see that Leicester will control the game or be so solid against a, a Liverpool team. As soon as I say Liverpool, you think of all the good teams of old. But uh, let's go to the game. Leicester starting with the same lineup as against Stoke, Okazaki playing that number 10 role, and then the rest of the team, um, as you would expect. It picks itself at the minute, doesn't it? Exactly. And Liverpool, as we mentioned before uh, in the previous pod, they've played twice in the time that since we've played. And one of them was a, an extra time penalties against Stoke. So I know they changed their team an awful lot, but they turned up with... Uh, Firmino in a in like a, a false nine position almost, and uh, Lallana tricky footwork and Henri Chan, and then you've got people like Milner and and all them at Henderson. So quite an industrious midfield. Um, and on the night, first of all, the atmosphere Rob was unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, like you said, it, I think I think I read or heard that it was the second biggest attendance for a football match ever at the King Power Stadium. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's right. Thirty-two thousand one hundred and something. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about one or two, probably more than the previous one. I remember once when don't um, care. They made no, the that's difference. True. I remember when um, Manchester United they broke their their attendance record once at Old Trafford because they played Wimbledon and it went up by one. And it was uh, strange because it was still Wimbledon. a new record. Oh, well, I, yeah, I know, I know. But the atmosphere was was electric, and I think it was the anticipation of the game. Let's just, you know, we're welcoming a big team, and, and we're playing so well. And um, I just have to mention that uh, a lot of things on Twitter that I get through from friends of mine who like to uh, obviously try and wind wind me up in this and the other. They always mention the fact that Leicester they call them a long ball team and they don't pass the ball. I mean, a friend of mine actually gave a stat saying that uh, Manchester United pass the ball more than Leicester. Well, I'm not being funny, but uh, whose shoes would you rather be in? Who would you rather be a supporter of right now? Um, and of course, Liverpool had more possession. And of course, Liverpool completed more passes. But their passes was from the goalkeeper Mignolet to Sacco to Lovran, back to Mignolet, out wide to Klein, across the back four, Lovran, Sacco, and over to the left-hand side, Moreno, who bombed down the line, got back to the halfway line, and then passed it. They they didn't create hardly any... I can think of two chances. Henri Chan in the first half... Should um, have scored that, to be fair. A decent save by Schmeichel. Oh, it was a great save, but he was offside. Yep. So there you go. And in the second half, um, he had one shot which was saved comfortably at his near post and uh, he flashed one wide. That was it. Yep. That's it. They played They played in front of us, didn't they? A lot, a oh. lot of teams come down the King Power and are forced to play in front of us because we're so organised when we haven't got the ball. Yeah, have it. Let's let Sacco pass it to Lovren. What are they going to do? Yeah. Then they're inside their own half. They're not going to bother us. And then, And then if we break up that attack... We can then launch forward quickly. Now, whether it's through long balls or not, of course, it's more direct football. When you've got Okazaki, the pace of Okazaki, and Vardy especially, with Maris, that's how you're going to play. And um, in the first half, the one chance I will mention, and Simon Mignolet, to be fair to him, 
a great shot stopper. I mean, he, he made two world-class saves. The first from Okazaki, a cross from Vardy from the left-hand side. Beautiful cross. I think Okazaki just jumped slightly too early. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much anywhere else, it's a goal. Head it down, head it back across the keeper, head it near post, all a goal. But Mignolet's done brilliantly to react still. Fantastic save. And then that shot from Mares. When it comes out, it's one of them that even in your Sunday league team, you're thinking, don't hit it. Don't hit it. Don't hit it. Bang. No, not quite. What? Did you see the bend on it? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I I was up. I thought it was in. Yeah. Even though from our angle in the in the West and in the commentary position, we don't get the best angle for that goal. We'll come on to that goal, uh, uh, for that shot. We'll come on to that goal later. But um, it looked in all the way for me. Uh, a great save. But going into the second half, Leicester playing well, quite an even game, nil-nil. And then we just have to say that goal. That goal. That goal. It's another one of them that you'd say, don't hit it. But, well, in, in your Sunday league team. Yes. Uh, but Vardy, he said afterwards, he said, I looked around, nobody else was there. Mignolet had been spending most of the game a couple of yards off his line, and I had a pop. Didn't you just have a pop, Jamie Vardy? Exactly. I mean, Ranieri was mentioned about Mares in the build-up, a good control, and then spotted him, and it was a, of course it was a long ball forward over the top into the channel. But it's a good, accurate long ball. It's not just a hopeful one. No, exactly. And... I mean, we were right behind it. Uh, the swerve on the ball, it never looked like it was going anywhere but in the goal. It was unbelievable. Right into the top corner, over the top of Mignolet. Just a blockbuster. That's the best way I can dis- describe it, really. A blockbuster of a goal. And um, but by the look of social media afterwards, I always go back on the timelines to see what the reaction was when... It- the you know the whole the whole world by the looks of it the whole football world Twitter nearly just, broke it just exploded because it's it's that kind of goal it's a blockbuster of a goal is that the best goal you've ever seen live a few people were making that bold claim mm. best goal I've ever seen live well that's that's a good question again um, as you all know out there we don't script this at all so uh, questions like this are just off the top of the head. I can't think of... Um, I've seen some great goals. I remember Joey Goodjohnson's from the halfway line. Yeah. I was there for that. Did you see Nallis's? Um I saw it on t- It was on TV. Oh, I wasn't okay. there. Don't quite count. No, I wasn't there. Um, I uh, I didn't have a season ticket in the first year at uh, King Power, or the Walkers as you it was. You plastic fan. I know. I had one at Filbert <laughs> Street for, for years. I, I was I was one of the, the SK1 lot standing up in the uh, in the corner. Um, yeah. That was good days. But um, anyway, I can't... Off the top of my head, I can't. But then again, it's the day after the you know, the goal. So it's yeah. going to be fresh in your memory. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say it's, it's, one, it's definitely one of them. It's one of the best goals. Again, because of the team we were playing, the situation of the club at the t- current time. And I've never seen, and I think a few people have mentioned this already um, on, on social media, that the, the press area just went... Went, went nuts. Mm. Uh, it, unbelievable. I've never seen a reaction to it. And afterwards, again, very fortunate to be, you know, talking to a few people um, that you either see on TV or um, especially my personal hero, Neville Forger. And uh, and he mentioned it. He mentioned he'd never seen a reaction from press guys who are independent to the clubs. Their reaction to the goal, it was it was superb. A, a standing ovation. And again, it just it's another goal for Vardy. Not just into the tally that he's got for the season, but it's another type of goal that he's scored. Yeah, and it's a goal that could potentially get him on the plane to France in the summer. <laughs> Mr Hodgson was there in the comfy seats exactly. at the King Power, wasn't he? I mean, it's, it's well, you know, if you're going to do it, do it in front of the England manager. Definitely. Um, 
And then after that, uh, the second goal, I thought Okazaki, again, we'll come on to individual players later, um, he slipped when it uh, a time to shoot, but he took the ball off Mares. It was a three-on-two situation, and you would expect Mares to be the driving force for that. But Okazaki, he had the chance to leave the ball for Mares, but no, he took control and he, he moved the ball out of his feet to shoot. And it's nice to see that bit of confidence in the guy. Um, and he, had, he just slipped over at the wrong time. The ball then squirmed to Vardy. But the finish, I just thought he smashed it in the back of the net. Job done. But looking at the replay, the goalkeeper's come out and he's basically, he's chipped the keeper into the top corner. With his left foot first time, having reacted to a mishit shot that was deflected. Yeah. That's unbelievable. To, to have that in just that split second, like you say, on first viewing, it looks like he's just got there and absolutely walloped it because it's made the net bulge in the top corner. But he's just, he's taken his time. And we've said that. We've said it time and time again on this podcast, this season in particular, The quality of his finishing and the thinking that goes into his composure is remarkable this season compared to the player that we first bought. He's rounded the keeper a couple of times. He's dinked it over the keeper twice now, if you count that one and the one against uh, uh, Hennessy, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, the the Crystal Crystal Palace, yes. Yeah, and just the quality of all of his finishes, that big blockbuster. But this is equally as good a goal if you look at it in, in different ways. It is. It's uh, it's another goal to his tally. It's uh, well, at the end of the day, if you're going to be confident, you're going to be confident after scoring that that stunner, that thirty yard thunderbolt. Although um, I noticed on uh, Sky Sports News are doing a, a a poll as I left the house uh, to come to for Fox Eight Towers um, about which is the better goal, Deli Ali's or Jamie Vardy's. Yeah, I thought that would be the the debate. Yeah. What What do you think? Well, obviously, I I'm slightly biased. Yeah. No. Who, but, who's Deli Ali? Well, no, but no. Generally, generally, who who? I don't know. Genuinely, don't. Know. Well, I'm going to say Vardy because, just because. Well, I think Deli Ali's was better. I think Jamie Vardy's is a hell of a goal, but it's a different kind of goal. Yeah. Um. The, 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 That's why it's difficult to compare them. Sometimes. Yeah. The, the the poll was 51% for Vardy and 49 for Ali. So there you go. We've we've split down the middle. But uh, a fantastic goal. But after that, they controlled the game well. Liverpool. They were at, well. They were dreadful. Second half, they were absolutely dreadful. They need a real clear out. I thought Lalana had some uh, nice touches, which apparently he does all the time. Uh, quick feet. Um, Milner, the same industrious as well. I thought Henderson was poor. The defenders looked uncomfortable every time uh, either Okazaki, who played well, or Vardy got the ball. The goalkeeper's a shot stopper. He still dropped a couple of you know crosses. Um, the difference between him and Schmeichel is that. You know, I know Schmeichel likes to punch the ball, but when it comes to actually claiming the ball, he is decent. Um, a really poor team. But we do have to add someone into the best or worst eleven. Well, we don't have to every week. But well, no, we, we do. We're but going we, to. We, we definitely do uh, this week. Um, the addition is going to be in the worst eleven. This worst eleven is getting some world-class players, it by is. the Who way. did we add last week? I can't From remember. Stoke. What, into the worst? Yeah, I can't remember who. This is really really bad, actually. This is great listening. This Pete, is... Pete will put a graphic up on the I on will the do. I will, I will post it on the Facebook. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, never mind. It wasn't Shakiri, was it? Do you know what? I'll have to go back and listen. <laughs> I'm go, go back, back and listen, and listen to it again. But anyway, the addition for this week, it has to be Firmino. Or Firmino, or whatever he's Fem- called. Firmino. 28 to 30 million mm. he cost. Now, in the first half, 
the odd little quick feet around the penalty area. Like I said, he was playing as a number nine, roughly on his own. I think Lallana was meant to be helping him out. But the second half, he was dreadful. And when I mean dreadful, I'm talking close control or just any control. He couldn't control the ball in the second half. This is a Brazilian £30 million forward who couldn't control the ball. His shooting was woeful, but then again, you can have an off day when it comes to that. But just his all-round play, especially in the second half, absolutely dreadful. They brought on Ben Teke, who didn't help a lot, although it was you know late on in the game. So they got £60 million up front, and you would not swap any of them for any of our players at all. In fact, looking at their team, I can't think of anyone... I would swap. I wouldn't. I thought Klein was a shadow of the player that we saw uh, last season who turned up at the King Power when he was at uh, Southampton. A shadow, I thought he was brilliant for Southampton at, at the King Power. I can't think of a player on their team that I would have in the Leicester team right now. Not on current form, no. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, so a fantastic victory for City. 2-0. Some results went for us. Arsenal drawing, Man City have an away win and Spurs an easy win away at Norwich. So as we stand right now, Leicester are three points clear of Manchester City, five points clear of Arsenal and still ten points clear of the side in fifth, which is Manchester United. So all is rosy in the Blue Garden. Right, so this week, uh, Leicester 2, Liverpool nil was, of course, one of the, well, the biggest talking point, but also the transfer window closed on February the 1st, and we didn't get a striker in, Pete. Are you surprised slash concerned about that? The fact that we didn't bring in a striker, even though we were linked with four or five big names? I am surprised, because we were linked with a lot of names, and from all accounts, it was, and it's quite obvious, that we were in for one or two. You know, we we were we wanted a striker. Yeah, because um, Ranieri stated that quite yeah. clearly at, at several different times. Didn't and, it? and when you have three strikers, you need four, you need at least four, especially when you're playing two up top all the time. Um, so yes, I'm surprised that we didn't get one. I'm disappointed we didn't. I mean, we all know out there that I wanted Remy. I've mentioned him two or three months ago that he would be a good signing for us in the transfer window. Now it's closed. It's disappointing that we didn't get him. I think the rumours towards um, the halfway point of the uh, deadline day was it would be a loan move, which would be fantastic because he can prove himself um, for City, for France, for the uh, Euro Championship in the summer. And then if it works out really well, we can buy him in the summer. Or if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because he was on loan. Um Ranieri said something quite interesting in the press conference afterwards about uh, someone asked him a question, are you disappointed you didn't get anyone? And he said no, but he mentioned the fact that we've got a really close together knitted squad and he didn't want anyone to come in who maybe could disrupt it, you know, and upset the apple cart. I think that was roughly what he was trying to say um, in his his own unique unique way, um, which is understandable. But um, yeah, disappointed we didn't get Remy, but Never mind, let's just draw a line underneath it. Um, interesting, though, the whole transfer window. So the two players we've got in, Rob, Damari Gray. Your views on Damari Gray? Looks confident enough to carry the ball and beat men. Yes. He's, he's, he's said that he's, gonna, he's working on his defensive side of his game. And it was interesting that they brought him on um, against Liverpool in place of Albrighton. So they trusted him to actually hold that left side position. So that will be a player who will develop into the future 
a good signing. I think we're going to put it down as a a, a really good signing. Yeah, for the one money. for the one for the future as well. You're going to give him you're going to give him a few opportunities this season, but you'd say that he's probably not going to be a regular starter and he's not going to be oh, no. the best player that he can be for another couple of years yet, which is the exciting thing. And decent money as well, good business all round, I think. Yep. Uh, and then we've got uh, Daniel Amati. Yes. Five million pounds, huge chap who can play anywhere in defence and midfield by the looks of it. Maybe the right side um, is his favoured side. Wasn't in the squad yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, five million pounds for a, for a player who, who all has the potential. He's still only young as well. So, again, it's a signing that you can say it's something for the future and maybe can creep into the first team squad this season. Yeah, and he will probably get a few opportunities for the remainder of the season um, with Richie Delat going out on loan. He, he left for Middlesbrough, rejoined David Nugent, who put quite a funny tweet up actually that Richie Delat's followed him to a third successive club now. He can't get rid of him. But yeah, Richie Delat out to Middlesbrough. Uh, and Daniel Amati, as you say, can play right back, centre half, centre mid. So I think he'll be Danny Simpson's cover. And you'd think that he'll get some chance this season to, to perform in a Leicester shirt. I think we have to mention, maybe in a bit further, Richard Delat. Um I mean, are we saying that this loan signing is the end of his Leicester career? It could be, because if you think about it, regardless of of what happens between now and the end of the season, we are going to finish in the top six to eight at a very pessimistic look at things, right? Is Richie Delat good enough to play for a top half Premier League club? No is the answer. Do we owe him anything in terms of loyalty and the fact that he's come, he came to us in the Championship and, and has performed admirably on at right back for a couple of years now? I know he's a favourite of your your dad likes Richie Delat. Yeah, is that yeah, right? he, is, yeah. He's, he, he thinks he's a good player. Yeah. Is he good enough for a top half Premier League football club? No. After this summer coming up, are we a top half Premier League football club? Yes. So it could be the end. I mean, I'm definitely not saying anything about the league. Okay. But if you are Rich Delat and you're the second choice right back at Leicester City Football Club and the manager trusts you enough to bring you on in different positions as well. Yeah, to play right again, wing and, and be a bit more defensive. Yeah. Exactly. I did against uh, Tottenham, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so. Saying all that, and in the league position that we're in, do you turn around and say, OK, I know my days are numbered at the club, but can I please just stay until the end of the season because I might have a medal? He's got a medal. I've I've been looking online. Oh, he's really? Play, he's played enough games to get a medal. He could be one of the first people, or po- po- possibly the first person, to get a winner's medal. At, uh, oh, uh, this is good. Hang on. Here we go. A winner's medal for the Premier League and a... Winners' medal for the championship in the same season. Now that that probably explains the story of how Delat turned down the move, and then after a conversation with the club, then decided the move would be okay. So uh, that's probably what happened. He probably turned around and said, "No, I don't want to go anywhere because I want to stay here for the end of the season. It's great, and but you know he's a well liked member of the squad, but all accounts, and he's a good player, but." He probably thought that, and then once the club said to him, "No, you probably you will get a medal if we do, you know, if we do win the league, and you can come back and this, that, and the other because he's only on loan." So if let, I mean, we're all you know looking, looking quite far into a dreamy future. Yeah, here. he could be on the bus going around Leicester. That's the thing. Yeah, He'll definitely. Be there, and, there, and there's no problem with that. So I think once they explain that to him, then like like you have to me because I didn't know. Um, 
he says, okay, yeah, I'll go to Middlesbrough and then hopefully then play for Middlesbrough in the Premier League. So, yeah, that could work out very well for Richard Alat. And if it does signal the end of his career, I think he's been a very good player for Leicester, really good going forward. Um sometimes at the back, you know, a bit dicey, but every player's got their weaknesses. But he's been overall a very good signing. He was one of those players who were formerly of Manchester United, along with the likes of Simpson, uh, Drinkwater, James, and Delat was in there um, as well. Part of the championship winning team. And then wherever he goes, I think he's going to be thought of fondly by all Leicester fans. And, you know, it's one of them players like David Nugent who you'll just follow his career from now on. And I think we're in that era now, or definitely in that era, of the players who, when they do leave Leicester because of the success we've had, we will be following them closely and wish him all the best. Um, other transfers or other loans out, um, Johan, maybe one that we might not, but uh, Johan Bellalawan. Bellalawan to Fiorentina. Yeah. In- interesting that, because again, he's not been playing for Leicester, but he's been part of the squad and by all accounts, he's a well-liked member of the squad as well. Um, so interesting that. Maybe, I think that signing, I don't, I'm not going to say it didn't work, mainly because he was brought in, but again, he was one of those players who just couldn't get in a team because the team's playing so well. Yeah, it's nothing. It's not. Uh, it's no slight on him. No, at all. No, but Huth and Morgan as a partnership are so rock steady that you don't want to disrupt them. And and I guess you'd argue the one game that Benelowan could have played in that he didn't was uh, when Huth was suspended and Vasilevsky was preferred to Benelowan. At that stage, if you're Johan Benelowan, you you probably think well. You know what? It might not work out for me here. Maybe not this season, at mm. least, because I wouldn't expect Vasilevsky to be here after the summer. So if Benelowan came back, he could be a bit higher up the pecking order. Amati can play centrally as well. So when he came in, obviously that means that we don't need as much cover at centre half. So that might have been why Benelowan's gone as well. I mean, he wants to go and play football. That's fair enough. Exactly. So we'll just put a bit of a question mark over that. Um, the young striker who's gone to. Uh, is it Wraith Rovers? Wraith Rovers. Harry Paniotu, yeah. Thank you. I, I played against him once. He's very quick. Here we I go. mean, go on, obviously I'm not the quickest, being 14 stone and a, and a, a washed-up centre-half, but I played against him in a charity match a couple of years ago, and I thought, I've got him here, I've got him here. Show him onto his left foot. That's what you're told to do against all the good right-footed players. He just looked at me and went, see ya. Luckily, the last charity match I played in, he was on my team. It was, oh, right. it was him and Ian Stringer up front. I was keeping things tight at the back, just pinging long balls over for the legs. But luckily, yeah, I didn't have to defend against him again. But Pacey, I mean, he's 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 made a, a, an appearance in the league, hasn't he, for us a couple of years ago? One of the Scored youngest debutants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leeds. Possibly. Possibly Sub- Leeds. Substitute appearance and a goal, but not really part of the first team picture at the minute. So, so. we'll see how he goes. But Definitely. on the actual day itself, it's a shame we didn't get Remy. Uh, I think the deals, maybe the deal for Musa. I mean, end of the day, they've bid... And and these are repsful reports from up to the BBC, basically saying that a fifteen point one and then an eighteen point seven or something along them lines. Those bids were made, and CSK Moscow they rate him as a twenty twenty two million pound centre forward. So maybe or attacking midfielder centre forward. So maybe that could be something for the summer, and we'll just have to see. I know he's been touted around. But then again, in the summer, you don't know what Leicester's position could be. We could be in the Champions League. We could have won the league. We could be anywhere. So. We'll have to wait and see. So it's not the worst transfer window of all time. Um, it could have been better, in my opinion, with getting someone like Lerick Remy. But we'll go through to the end of the season with what we've got. And whoa, what a team. What a team at the moment. 
So as you know, on For Fox 8, we very much like to hear from each and every single one of you, whatever you like to say to us, wherever you're listening around the world, at FFSpod on Twitter or for fox8podcast at gmail.com. We don't get a huge amount of correspondence through the email. People seem to have moved on to social media these days. But, Pete, you've got a very interesting one there from quite far afield. I do. It is from uh, Matthew Hatson. So hello to Matt out there. Uh, I'll just give you a a, a brief uh, overview of the email. Hi, Pete and Rob. Hello. Hello, Matt. We know that you want to hear from your listeners around the globe. So here we are. Uh, Three lifelong Leicester lads... Um, I presume I mean Laughlin Leicester fans, but never mind. Leicester lads doing a spot of travelling and have been tuning into the podcast while been roaming around South America and they keep up to date with how the lads are getting on through the podcast. Uh, we're currently writing this email from Argentinian Patagonia. Very, uh, very nice. Yes. We've been to the hometown of the bold magician himself, Esteban Cambiaso. Incredible. There we go. Uh, like, I a, also, like a pilgrimage, that. Well, it, well, it is. Pilgrimage that, that's to what they've Sir Cambiasso. They've basically what they've done is that they've said uh, to whoever um, that we're going to go round traveling round, but they, they just wanted to go there. Really? Do you reckon that's the sole reason for the yes, trip to South only, America? Only reason. Taking only a few reason. touristy things on the way. Exactly. But they, they, they've probably built it around. You know, it's going to build them up as people in Italy. They just want to go and see where Esteban was born. That's well. That's what I would do anyway. And that's what they did. I also made a wish on the sacred uh, Machu Picchu shine in Peru for Leicester to make the Champions League. May the Peruvian gods be with us. Uh, keep up the terrific work and all that sort of thing. From Matt, Chris and Stu. So thanks very much for the email and uh, good luck and safe travelling round South America. Uh, if you are wearing a 1987 Leicester shirt on Machu Picchu, then please send that through as well. We'd love to see a picture, <laughs> actually. Yeah, send us a picture uh, to that email address for fox8podcast at gmail.com. We'll get it on our Twitter and our Facebook. It'll be nice to see you. If you have got any Leicester paraphernalia whatsoever, wave it about at a touristy site. We'll get that on for you. Definitely. And of course, uh, as Rob said earlier, use the Facebook group. Just type in for Fox 8 Podcast and then click like on the Facebook group. We also have Twitter at FFS Pod and of course the people over at Reddit. And anyone listening to this uh, over in America, there's quite a few over there uh, who are listening to the podcast. A, hello. And B, um, there's this link between the Carolina Panthers now and Leicester. I'm still not 100% sure how it's come about. Um, I... I think it might be because, obviously, they have had a fantastic season and they're in the Super Bowl on uh, this Sunday as we're speaking. And they nearly went undefeated for the uh, for the regular season. I know you probably... Are you the biggest American football fan, Rob? Not at no, all. No, OK, well, I'm talking... I've been to, to America and I know the premise of the game, but that's essentially it. Well, they nearly went undefeated in the regular season. Now they're in the Super Bowl final. That sounds like quite a good achievement. Against Denver and uh, I'm, well, I will be supporting them. But there is this link and I think it's because of their their rise this season and maybe Leicester's as well. If anyone can fill us in actually why, I'm going to try and find this out later today, why there is this link. But they've been sending shirts to each other and I think uh, Christian Fuchs has been doing his, um, his keepy uppies with an American football and all that sort of thing. And the link between the two is is really good. It, it's, it's, it's something that I think a lot of clubs do around the world. But um, a lot of American football fans over in uh, the USA, they've been getting involved with Leicester and posting on di- different uh, you know Facebook groups and social media and this and the other. 
other, trying to find a bit more information and gather more information about the club and about the game of football for a start. Um, so, first of all, a big hello, and I'll be trying to make a bit of a link between a few. So, hopefully, we can uh, maybe bring you a bit more on that next time. And I will be supporting them on Sunday during my usual exploits watching the Super Bowl. I was going to say, why don't you tell everybody, Pete, why we can't do a podcast after the Man City game at the, at the weekend? Because because I will be uh, well. Basically, for the Super Bowl, I like to go with. There's about twenty of us, uh, and a few are listening to this as well. Uh, and we got to go to a bar either in Nottingham or in Sheffield or wherever, and uh, and watch the Super Bowl. And that's it. All right, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it. No, there, that's it. No, you, basically, you, you know, you, you eat a lot and you, you drink a lot, but it's a long time. It takes until three in the morning, and you know you have to stay over and all that. So by the time I get come over, it won't be the best. Uh, and you might be slurring a little bit still. Definitely. So that's the correspondence out of the way. We'll round off the podcast by looking forward to the next two matches. Just the small task of taking on Manchester City followed by Arsenal. Pete Selby, will these two games define our season? Yes. Simple as that. Well, every game from now on will define our season. Well, I didn't ask that. I didn't ask, will these be two of the next 15 or however many games we've got? 14 now, isn't it? Games that define the season. um, Will, Will these two specifically, just these two, forget about the rest, are they massively, massively crucial to our season. Yes, they are. I was uh, in the commentary box last night with Stephen Jameson from Alamarch Sport Limited. Who's a Liverpool fan. Who was a Liverpool fan. Get you in there. Who will definitely not be listening to this because he never does, even though I listen to his, their rubbish. Anyway, won't mention that. Um, I said to him last night, I says, um, I said they do because he asked me the same kind of question. And I just says, um, I've never once thought that Leicester can go and win the league. I won't entertain that thought. The only time I will is near the end of the season. And let's say, for example, Leicester beat Arsenal and beat Man City away. Okay, let's just say that happens. Then I will turn around on the next Fox Fox Egg and say Leicester can win the league. Okay, if they lose both games, then it's not the end of the world. But if they get a point from either of them or one of them or both of them or whatever, then it means that we're still in with a chance because nothing would have changed position-wise in the league. Does it define the season? Um, I'm going to change my mind. No, it doesn't. Only if we win both games. Then it defines our season. Then it if defines we lose them, it doesn't. No. If, no, it lo- no if, it lo- if, it lo- if we lose both games, it doesn't. Because we've got a, a nice, perceived nice run of fixtures where we can then come back and, and this, that and the other and, and build up a lead or get back into the game or into the title race again. But it will define our season if we beat them. And I'm not saying we will, but if we do beat them, then anyone or everyone, should I say, has to turn around and go, right, we are in with a real chance of winning this league. But um, it, like I said, if we do lose to them in both games, it's not the end of the world by a million miles. No, Manchester City, we did um, pretty well, I think, to hold them to, to nil-nil. They don't travel as well as they perhaps should considering the quality that they've got in their team. And they proved that uh, against Sunderland this week. Sunderland had a really good game against them, I thought, and and were very unlucky not to come out with a draw. So they scraped a 1-0 win there. At home, they're a different prospect, but we've got the confidence from holding them to a draw already. And I, I said somebody said to me before the Liverpool game, said, next three games, how many points would you happily take away from them? And I said four. 
if we win one, draw one and lose one, I think we're still going to be there or thereabouts, still up there fighting in the right uh, position um, and we won't have surrendered too many points to our rivals. But we've already got three of those, so I'd say a draw from the next two games is a bonus, especially with the fact that they're both away at difficult places to go uh, on TV, which always, regardless of what people think, adds a little bit more edge to a fixture. I think a point from the next two would be good. Anything more than that would be a massive, massive bonus. I completely agree. I said after the draw against Bournemouth at home 0-0 that any point in the Premier League is a good point, even if you draw at home against one of the lower teams. Now, I completely agree. If we get a point from the next two games, that's decent. If we get a two points, even better, and anything else more than that, great. It's just it won't be a disaster if we do lose, because these are the two hardest games of the season away at Arsenal and away at Manchester City. We know how they're going to play. We won't bother previewing the games like that. I think um, Leicester will probably play the same formation. I can't see him... There's no point. I don't think playing Ojoa instead of Okazaki, which would be the only change, I don't see what that would bring to the team because I don't think Height really would bother either team because, you know, if Mertesacker's playing... Do you know what I mean? I think they'll just play the same team and say, look, why not just play the same way? Play the same way and see what happens. It's got us this far. And look how far, you know, unbelievable. How many times can I say unbelievable, fantastic, ridiculous, um, amazing? Amazing. It's, I, I sit, I sit here on the podcast on a weekly ish basis with yourself. And as I'm saying things, I do question myself and I'm thinking, say something else apart from amazing, fantastic, brilliant. Wasn't he brilliant? That was brilliant. There's nothing more to say. Kante's brilliant. Okazaki's brilliant. Vardy's goals are brilliant. The goalkeeper, the defence, it's brilliant. The atmosphere is brilliant. The position in the league is brilliant. I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And when we're on the podcast, I'm, I've not, I've not heard your um, when you were on the Liverpool podcast. I've not heard what you said, but I kept on saying about that. Uh, you guys at Liverpool, you're used to this success. And we all know, and we're all Leicester fans listening to this, that this is unique, historic. It's never happened before. We've never won the top league of English football. It is groundbreaking, history-defying, unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And let's just go into these two games against the top two um, rivals for the league, along with obviously Tottenham, but those two are, and just see what happens. And let's just enjoy it. And let's not worry about if we do lose. And let's enjoy the moment. Let's enjoy the goals that Vardy's scoring and the and the um, the good nature and the goodwill towards the club from pretty much every corner of the of the earth. Yeah, the globe. The earth. Mm. The Carolina Panthers over in America. And are looking at Leicester. Everybody's look? standing up to take it's, notice of us. It's it's quite frankly, I'm going to say it again, and I mentioned it on uh, Twitter. It's ridiculously ridiculous and long may it continue.